0: Welcome to Episode 1 of Everyday Carry Chicks. I'm Heather Reeves, and I'm here with my co-host, Cass Crago. Given that today is Episode 1, thank you for listening. We are excited to be here. This podcast is a passion project for us, and we're looking forward to sharing our knowledge with you along the way. We hope you'll join us on this quest and see what you can learn. Today's topic of conversation is one that Cass and I have spent a lot of time talking about. Barriers to participation with firearms. Before we jump in, let's take a minute to introduce ourselves. Cass, why don't you tell the listeners a bit about
1: yourself? Uh, Let's see, Um, I'm Cass. Um, I've been shooting for a little while now. Um, uh, I'm married, I have three children. Um, I'm a physical therapist assistant. Um, I'm also a NRA basic pistol instructor, NRA uh, RSO, a girl and a gun RSO. Rangemaster instructor. The list kinda keeps growing day by day.
0: Image-based decisional
1: drills too, right? Yes, yes. Brad and Chilly Hill are amazing.
0: And I'm Heather Reeves, as I mentioned, and I own Wolverine Defense Academy in Portage, Michigan. I am a certified instructor through seven different national and international organizations. I'm a facilitator for a girl and a gun. And as Cass mentioned, um, on the personal side, I am a mom of one, and I co-own both of my businesses with my husband. So it's a family affair in this neck of the woods for us. Cass is one of our staff instructors, and we've spent a lot of time hanging out. So we're going to spend some time in the next few episodes discussing our backgrounds further, but we did make the decision that we wanted to jump into content. We wanted to give you something in this first episode that you might walk away going, hey, I want to hear more, instead of us just going back and forth about our backgrounds and kind of what's led us to this point. So I do promise we will dive into that. But One of the conversations that Cass and I have had time and time again, as Cass is one of my AT members or amazing assistants um, with a girl and a gun. And so we've had a lot of conversations about how to get women more involved in the shooting sports, which keeps leading back to what are the barriers to entry? What are things that women and gun owners in general really struggle with as far as maybe not becoming enthusiast level like Cass and I, where we travel and we take classes and we do all things guns and kind of live it 24-7, but what stops people from taking it seriously as something that they have to learn in order to be effective at self-defense or even just for sport? Where I want to start is asking you, Cass, what is our big list at this point of reasons why people find it difficult
1: to get into training? I feel like the things we keep coming back to time and time again are money, time, family support, role models, perception, and one of the biggest ones is the intimidation factor.
0: I feel like we could talk about time and money pretty exhaustively. You know, we could have a long, drawn-out conversation about time management and maybe some budgeting. I don't know that that's going to be the nuts and bolts that our listeners are looking for. Um, So can we agree that while time and money are factors, that those are things that people do tend to sort out on their own if they can overcome some of these other things?
1: Yeah, I I feel like when the other ones kind of fall in line, the time one, that one increases. And money, money is very subjective. You know, every person is different on that one. Yeah. And
0: I, quite frankly, I am not qualified to help people budget. So that is not something <laughs> that I want to dive into. Um, although I can say that depending on how you approach guns, it can be a money suck. Um, so, you know, it's, you're going to hear us talk throughout these various episodes that when it comes down to it, spending money on gear and just buying all the cool gizmos because they're the latest and greatest may not be the best use of your budgeted amount for guns. Uh, exactly. Invest in exactly. some training and get the training factor down. You know, buy buy a good quality firearm out of the gate, make sure you budget for ammunition appropriately. And make sure that you're signing up for classes that are going to help you get to your goals.
1: Yes. Well, you don't need all the fancy gear to take the simple classes or even some more of the advanced classes. Use the basic gear.
0: I mean, it may not be the quote-unquote ideal, but I do know that somebody took MAG-40, so Masada Yub's 40-hour four-day class with a Sky, which is SCCY for those of you who are newer to this. It's it's a lower-end pistol as far as pistols go, and she successfully completed the class. So gear is subjective, time is subjective, and I think we can spend some time on the other pieces and be a little bit more helpful to some of the people out there. Absolutely. Do you want to start us off talking a little bit about family support? I know your background kind of lends itself to talking about that.
1: Yeah, I have, I guess, two different approaches to this. When I originally started my family support, um, it came from my spouse at the time, Um, wasn't very enthusiastic about me wanting to shoot. um, So that kind of, I kind of felt like I was doing something wrong, wanting to learn how to shoot. and then some of my family perceptions. Um, I had a family member that was very anti-gun, and was just, oh, "Why do you need a gun? You're gonna shoot yourself. You're gonna shoot someone else." You know, the very, very strongly opinionated against me doing something that I was interested in, and so that kind of put some pressure on me to not want to go after something that I had an interest in, and then. Life happens. Later in life, I have a new spouse now, and he's very supportive. Um, and the the interesting thing is that same family member that was previously very anti-gun is now one of my biggest supporters. Um, she's seen all the training that I have done. She's seen that I'm actually responsible, um, and that I don't push my beliefs on anyone else, or you know, I don't force anybody to come train with me. And so that has really kind of flipped the perception of, oh, she's not just this
0: hot-headed gun-toting.
1: Yes, yes, exactly. I'm not that radical that many people picture um, when they think of a gun owner. And she's started to ask more questions. And it's really exciting to watch that dynamic kind of shift. Um, But the, the previous, I guess, pressures that I had, I don't know how to navigate those for someone else. Um, mine was kind of getting out of the relationship, but also I think what helped too is I started to take classes and to not maybe invite them to go with me. That that was helpful in, in my experience that it's gonna be different for anybody else. Um, but I the family support is huge. Um, you gotta be supported in your likes and dislikes and yeah.
0: I, you know, as you were talking about that, my brain also jumped to the opposite end of this. So you had family that was under supportive, we'll say. And I'm thinking about a couple of women that we've shot with who have family that are almost overly supportive to the oh, point yeah. where- <laughs> to, you, you probably know a couple of them that I'm thinking of right now. And we're talking about family where they insist we have to go to the range once a week and they over criticize and they get over critical and over corrective. And they almost drive this person who has an interest away from wanting to do it because it just feels very critical. It's a very critical environment instead
1: of almost being that opposite of subcritical. Yes. Oh, man, we've seen that so much. Yeah. And some of it comes down to, you know, they, they, want, they, they want you to know the information, but they also kind of want you to know it their way and not just like a natural personal growth journey. It's do it my way. Maybe a militant is the word. Um, just very strict and do it my way.
0: Well, and then we could open the whole can of worms about how when you go to different instructors, you get different advice, but that's that's diverging a little bit from where we're headed today.
1: Absolutely. Uh,
0: but I think, I think you hit the nail on the head with the under supportive when, and I'm thinking mainly females because that's who we work with a lot, but they come to this and when they have no family support and they like whisper, talk to us and say, Well, I'm here, but nobody in my family knows that I'm here and nobody from my job can know and nobody, you know, and it creates this environment. and, And I fully understand that coming from the world of public education, it's a really difficult environment to navigate job wise. But if you also have to navigate that family support in terms of, you know, as again, as a woman, we both have kids if we decide to go out to the range we have to have somebody to watch them and
1: that can be a hurdle
0: and then it's that gets
1: a struggle some days yes it's
0: it's a total struggle and i think it all comes down to priorities right like where do we rate this which for you and i and this is again where we'll dive into this in some future episodes but you and i have had those struggles and even in those supportive environments, those can be struggles. So now we're stacking up. So if we're thinking about this as one of those uh, amusement park rides where you have to stand in the line and you have to curve back and forth and back and forth and back and forth before you get to the goal of riding the ride, the more things that you have to stack up to get to that ride, the longer it's going to take. And that's what we're talking about with these barriers. So again to kind of recap if you don't have family support now we've got another hurdle thrown in there because maybe your spouse isn't willing to watch the kids while you go shoot or maybe you every time you show up at the family picnic and i know that this is one of the examples you've given me in the past when you show up to the family picnic and you're constantly getting bombarded oh how many kids did you kill last week with your gun you know yeah. <laughs> like those type of like acidic comments that people just can't help themselves it can really drive people away
1: Um, Or the people that, like, I'm not going to come to your house because you have guns. Yeah. My kids
0: can't come over and play with your kids because I know you have guns.
1: Right. But they don't understand, like, the responsible gun owner locks them up and is aware of them where they are at all times. There's restricted access to unauthorized users. Like, there's, I don't want to say common sense, but there are some common sense factors that come into play it's just, it is frustrating sometimes.
0: I think, I think, you know, and, and I'm tempted right now to talk about all the solutions to these things, but I think I want to just expose the problems first. So um, let's talk a little bit about role models. I'll start this one off. When I first got into shooting and specifically being an instructor, there were not a lot of females in my immediate area and there weren't a lot of females nationally kind of making a name for themselves. And again, drawing on my background in public education, I am well aware that if you don't see people in the role that you wanna take on, that look like you, that sound like you, that kind of carry themselves through the day the way that you do, it becomes kind of one of those things where you second guess yourself. Do I belong here? Is this something that I should be doing? you know, those are all things that I completely identify with. And so from that perspective, I'm really glad to see that that's changing for women. But I know early on, it made a huge impact on me when I couldn't just like go female shooters and hit enter and get lists of people and women who were participating in the shooting sports.
1: Yeah, it's, it's on its way to improving on that list. Um, it, it's just not big enough yet. And we want to make that list lengthy, a laundry list. We want to see it grow.
0: So you and I have talked about that. And again, I don't want to dive too deep yet into solutions to this, but you and I have both found role models in this industry. Um, I know that every single one of our chapter members is a role model to me. And we don't, as women, we don't always see ourselves in those roles. But, you know, you, for example, I look up to you because I think that you have overcome a lot in your life that is really inspiring. And the way that you have overcome those hurdles and, and we've both watched each other's struggles kind of unfold, But that has been inspirational to me, and part of that role model aspect is naming those people who are role models, which is something I really want us to do, and you and I have had that conversation. So on this podcast, you're going to get some role models, and some of them are going to be women, some of them are going to be men, some of them are going to be, you know, out of left field, and some of them will be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. But we've got to have some role models.
1: Yes. Yes. And, and it's funny that you bring that up, that I guess I'm one of yours because you were one of mine. Yeah, you were, you still are. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it's it's so interesting now that I can go to a class, um, I can go to a conference and I can pick out a like, I have watched this person grow. I have watched that person grow. And each one of those people are so inspirational to me. And, everybody's different. At least there are some role models that other people have that I don't like. Uh, and that, that's going to happen. Um, but following different shooters has been amazing to watch um, and being open about the struggles that people are having. Nobody's perfect. And so when, I guess to me, it's something that's really inspiring and makes someone a role model to me is when I see and hear about those struggles, then I'm like, wow, look at that person. Look at what they've gone through. They're still doing the things. They're still walking the walk, talking the talk. That is so awesome to me. That's what makes a role model to me.
0: I also like, I I agree 100% with what you just said but I'm gonna add another layer in there that I want to see them continue to grow. I want to see them continue to learn and maybe their opinions will change or their techniques will change. One of my big role models when I first started, um, although I mentioned wanting female role models was Dave Spalding. And Dave Spalding was an inspiration and a role model to me because every single year that he came back to teach class, his technique had changed a little bit and he just fully admitted it. And he's like, Yeah, I know last year I taught you this, but I'm going to teach it to you this way and then you can decide. And that was very impactful for me as an instructor because I went, I'm not locked into this technique for the rest of my life. And you know, those, those members of our chapter who have been with me for four five, six years, they've seen an evolution. And I literally have stood in front of the same group of women and said, yeah, I know that we talked about doing it this way, but I think that this might be better for some of you. And that, that idea of continued growth and continued learning to me is so important. So not just past struggles, but current struggles and future struggles and being able to be transparent about that.
1: Yes, and uh, one of the instructors that I've uh, taken a class from, and he's awesome. uh, He said, you know, some of the best instructors they don't come up with the stuff on their own; they just steal it from everybody else. And I think that's so true. And I love that. And that's how you evolve and how you can grow is just take more classes, hear it from, hear it from. 50 different people, if you hear it from 100 different people, and everybody's going to word it different, even though sometimes it's the same information. Yep.
0: But, you know, you and I have both watched that as well. You have somebody that you've been working with, and, you know, you say something, and I walk up and I say it almost the exact same way, and all of a sudden they're like, Oh my gosh, that's the best thing I've ever heard in my life. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And i'm guilty of it too you know i've i've had i had that moment a couple of weeks ago in a class that i took um with luanne hamlin and she said something and it clicked in my brain and i went Don't like three other people have told me that like why did it not sink in until just now but being able to have those people to draw from i think is again you know if you don't have people who look like you who reflect your morals, who reflect your ethics, who you can identify with, it makes it tough. And we add, again, we add another barrier in there to keep people from being able to succeed. So I'm really happy that we've seen an uptick in the amount of women's content that's out there. We're seeing gun manufacturers really work with female shooters to create things that work for them. We're seeing... Uh, more shooting teams, put women not only on their teams, but feature them. And it, it's working. I think we need more. I think we need more in the diversity route. I think we need to make sure that we understand that the second amendment is for everybody in this country, you know, to steal a line from Tiffany Johnson and Akil Kader, who are a huge inspiration to me as far as that that route of diversity goes. Um, So I'd like to see it continue, but I think that we're, we're slowly making inroads. But for some of our listeners or for those of you who may have been in the industry for a while and you know who all the people are and you know that when Cass and I rattle off names, you're like, oh yeah, I know about them. Sometimes as a new person coming into this, connecting to those individuals can be difficult because you don't know where to start. So we'll talk about that here in a minute.
1: And what I'm about, over here just shaking my head. Yes. Yeah <laughs> to everything. Yes.
0: Preach it. Perception. I'm going to let you kind of start off with this one.
1: I feel like I we touched on it briefly before. Um the perception of of like me and my shooting world um, at first was very like, why are you doing that? And also, it was like that I'm that radical. I, you know, I'm waving my flag, stomping my foot, saying this, this is my right. That's not me. I am not that person. Um, others' perceptions of you can be very detrimental to your wanting to continue with any hobby. Um, it's, it's, It's something that I think individually, everybody's gonna be a little bit different on how they handle it and the pressure that they put, you know, internally on yourself. Not everybody is gonna care that, well, aunt so-and-so, you know, thinks I'm gonna shoot myself. And this is a hard one for me (laughs) to explain. Because some people care about others' perceptions and some people don't. And for me, it it was a big thing. Um, Just some of the stuff that went on in my life. I kind of had to make that decision for myself that I wanted to train for me. I don't want to train for you. And that I was really curious about a lot of the information. How things work. Why things work. Why things don't work. (laughs) Um, And why do we do the things that we do? Um, and so it was a really personal journey for me that I kind of just shut down. I didn't care what other people thought, but I also didn't broadcast what I was doing for the longest time. I, I still don't like share with the world, like all the things that I do. Um, you, you get little spurts here and there of what I'm doing. Um, so maybe it does still affect me, but I just don't care. Yeah.
0: I again kind of, you know me. I love my analogies. Oh yeah. So as you're as you were talking about that, I was thinking, you know, I knit, I crochet, I do a lot of like what some people literally have looked at me and gone, that's an old lady hobby. And <laughs> And it kind of just cracks me up, but at first I, you know, and and again, not talking guns, we're talking yarn and knitting needles, like <laughs> yarn and slightly pointy objects. Like but there's people that I don't share that with. There's people that I'm I don't share that with because I'm like I don't want to hear the old lady comment today. I don't want to be, you know, and so people's perception from the outside in do affect us. We I think the biggest thing is acknowledging that it affects us and actively working toward a a re- self resolution of I don't care what you think I'm going to do this for me. And if that means keeping it off social media and you don't post pictures of your targets, or if that means, you know, concealed caring well enough that when you're at the family gathering, nobody knows you have it, which I have done before. Um, it's all gonna enter into it but there is you know we we use the word perception when we make this list you and i do but it's also about stigma right the stigma of being a gun owner in this country is exactly what you've highlighted that we are you know flag waving um dirt stomping hot heads that just can't control ourselves. And that is because of media and years and years and years of public perception of firearms. So, you know, our role, yours and mine and everybody else who owns a gun, our role is to slowly steer that boat because it can't happen overnight. But our role is to say, yeah, I am a gun owner and maybe not publicly. I'm not asking anybody to stand up at the town hall meeting and be like, I am a gun owner and this is what gun owners look like. But you have slowly changed the perception of your family members. I have slowly changed perception of my family members. My grandmother will now ask how our business is doing, where she really didn't like doing that in the beginning. But the longer I have been around firearms openly, the more people are willing to slowly go, Oh, maybe I'm wrong and challenge their internal monologue about what a gun owner is, who they are and what they do with their free time. Um, I don't know. I, that one, I, I kind of feel like it's an important one to talk about because it definitely is a barrier. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times it stops people from walking in the door and getting started, but it's a tough one to solve. Because you hit the nail on the head, Cass. You just gotta like. You almost gotta put your big girl panties on and say, "Here, I'm here for it." Like, here we go.
1: Yeah. Yep. Um. You had mentioned, you know, the family gathering. I was at one uh, for my my husband's side of the family, and I'd been carrying all day, and I'm running around with my kids playing, and then um, another family member joins the the group. And he was con- concealed carrying, but not very well. Um, and then, you know, he is also walking in with a case of beer. And I'm like, okay, here are two great examples of two gun owners. We are completely different. And I can guarantee you there's no training behind that other person. I, only because I know for, for a fact. <laughs> um, but also, you can tell. And... Sometimes that's a little frustrating to me because of the perception, you know, like you could see the family members staring and you could see them shying away. And there may be other factors in there. I'm not aware of those other factors, so I do want to state those <laughs> or state that that is there. Um, but it, it was an interesting, I guess, just realization that, wow, we're both doing the same thing but we are getting two completely different reactions here. And then since that interaction, um, I've, I was a little bit more public about, you know, what I've been doing and the awesome questions I get now from different, um, different family members I think that were all at that same party. Uh, the last one was uh, right after MAG40. Um, one of the gals was, just like that was some great shooting. I am so proud of you. And I was like, oh, somebody else is proud of me. And that was really cool. Yeah. And
0: and you've changed the perception at that point.
1: Yes. I just wish that other person was there for that last interaction.
0: <laughs> oh, don't worry. They're lurking in the wings and they're they're watching and they're paying attention to what's going on on some
1: level, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm I'm hoping.
0: So We've, we've gone through, just to recap, we've talked a little bit about family support and the importance of that. We've talked about role models, we've talked about perception, you know, and again, I am not, I don't think either of us are claiming that we have exhausted any of these topics here because each one of them could be their own 40 minute podcast in and of themselves. Um, I'm thinking more like three hours. Yeah, each. yeah. yeah. And, and maybe we'll do that. Maybe we'll do that a little bit down the line. Um, You know, again, Cass and I are both pretty new to this and I've helped with some podcasts, but we're really just excited to have these conversations and have record of them because we've been having these conversations for ages. And about a year and a half ago, I said to Cass, I was like, you know, I was like, these conversations are great, but we really should have a way to get them out to more people because you and I are having these discussions, but yet there's other people who should be able to hear them and ask questions about them and have input on these discussions. So that's really what we're striving to do. We're not saying we have all the answers. We're just saying, here's our input and here's our insight from our background and our experience. So again, not exhaustive, Uh, but we've been through those three. And this morning, as we were getting ready to record, both of us, pretty much at the same time, we're like, we have to talk about the intimidation factor, or the, the like, sinking feeling of inadequacy. Oh, gosh.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's been on my mind. I'm like, we, we need to address this, and way to do it when we <laughs> kick it off.
0: <laughs> so, this one, I know for a fact we will revisit, because Cass and I have dealt with this a lot, in individually and together. But It's the elephant in the room, if we're really being honest. It is the thing. It is the topic that nobody talks about, but everybody, male, female, it does not matter, old, young, whatever you are, at a certain point, you walk into a room to take a class, whether it's a beginner class or an advanced class, or you traveled and spent $1,500 on that class. And you go, do I even belong here? We, this this community, because Tom Givens hates when we call it an industry because it's not big enough to be an industry, so I will respect that. We are a community. This community is intimidating for a multitude of factors. And one of the big ones to me that stands out, based on the shooters we work with, is the jargon. You know, phrases and words, fac and... Um, EDC and even things like slide stop and sear block and all of these words get thrown out as if everybody should just be born knowing them. And I don't know of a class, so please correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't know of a crash course class where you can just be like, I need to learn all the gun jargon before I
1: show up at this class. I've seen lists, but yeah. Sometimes you get the list and you're like, well, what does that even mean? Like right? the acronym and it spells it out. And I'm like, okay, well, what if, if like the IFAC? You know, everyday first aid kit. I'm like, or oh, no. that's Individual nice. first aid. <laughs> Thank you. I'm like, <laughs> individual like first aid in kit. Oh, I'm looking at, at another list over here. <laughs> and I'm like, well, what is that? Like, I know what a first aid kit is. Don't get me wrong. But it's a little bit more um
0: it's specific it's specific (laughs) to yeah Yeah. it's specific to the type of of things that could potentially cause a life-ending injury at the gun range like right we're not talking (laughs) band-aids
1: yeah i was like okay band-aids yeah i got those in my purse i'm good to go (laughs) no we're talking tourniquet yeah bandages, chest seals, stuff like that. I'm like, oh, that's a little bit bigger. So I, I remember that moment, my little aha moment, I guess, that I was like, oh, that's what that means, an everyday carry. Okay, that's not just your pistol. That's everything. I mean, my cell phone is part of my everyday carry. I got Amen. kids. They got to call me. So it, it's more, you just need a class. <laughs> we need a class or, or a podcast.
0: (laughs) I would even, I challenge any of the instructors. Yes. We're going to cover that on the podcast, (laughs) but I would challenge instructors out there. You know, I, I listened to Lee Weems, uh, that Weems guy podcast. Go, go listen to it if you haven't. Um, But Tiffany and Akil. So again, Tiffany Johnson and Akil Kader were on talking about their gateway instructor program and they were talking about which i want to take so shout out to to tiff on that but they were talking about the fact that especially when you get newer shooters you have to remember that they are not you that they Mm -hmm. did not come to you with all of the information that you have gathered between cass and i we're looking at like probably close to 2500 hours of continuing education like it's getting up there. It might not be quite that much, but it's a lot. We have done a lot. We have picked brains of some of the best instructors out there. And so we've been around enough that when we don't know an acronym, we're going to raise our hand and we're going to go, hey, what does that mean? <laughs> because we're there. But when those, yeah. new, when those new shooters come to us, they're intimidated to be there in the first place. And not in all cases, but in many cases, they're sitting there going, wow, do I even belong here in the first place? Because you know, I don't look like that. I don't speak like that. I don't understand what's going on. I have so many questions. I'm afraid when the gunshots go off, when somebody else is shooting, even if it's in a safe direction and done well, you know, you're battling so many different things that we have to do that reality check. If you're teaching introductory or even intermediate classes, scrap the jargon. and Or if you're going to use it, at least, please, for the love of everything out there, define it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And make sure that your students understand what you're talking about.
1: Uh, that's a big one. <laughs>
0: yeah. You know, and, and I was on an episode of... That Weams Guy, where we were talking about boosting female enrollments in classes, and we were talking about the fact that, and the four of us, were much like you and I, um, and we've been around the block. You know, we don't need, at the classes that we show up to, we don't need the instructor to explain something and then look at us and go, you do know the sites are the bumpy thing on top of the gun, right? Which one individual in that panel had had happen, um, but there's a difference between that and showing up to a beginner class and not having that discussion that the front sight is the thing on the front of the gun and the rear sight is the thing on the end of the gun closest to you. And if you can't do that, you should not be teaching beginners.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: So, jargon. Jargon and, and words and acronyms and I think that caused a real disconnect for me for a while until I just embraced it. And I was like, okay, I'm going to treat this just like everything else. If I want to be hip and in the know, I've got to pay attention to what the acronyms are.
1: Acronyms are a big one. And then as you were talking, I'm like, you know, words mean things. And we say this to each other all the time. Words mean things. And it's coming from a little bit of, uh, I guess, medical background and, uh, with my kids, words mean things. I figured that out by now. Like the, like a trigger press versus trigger pull. Like you're going to hear it both ways, but when you say it to yourself in your head, like the word pull versus the word press, they mean different things. And, I'm not saying anybody's wrong for using either one. but We are not trying to light the internet on fire with a debate on no. this. God, no. Please, no. <laughs> uh, but it just, if you start in a beginner class, explaining what that front side is, explaining, you press the trigger. You know, the words help. They just help so much. And it, I thought it was pull, too, until it made more sense in my brain which my brain is not your brain. No internet, don't, don't blow up. Um, Sometimes switching words helps. Yep.
0: And, and making that connection between things that are known to things that are unknown. Absolutely. Because i don't feel like a conversation about the intimidation that somebody feels when they get into this as a barrier is complete unless we talk about all the misconceptions that people come to firearms with if somebody has never touched a firearm before they are coming to you with all of the worst videos of youtube watched they are coming to you with their perceptions of guns from media in terms of shows like NCIS and CSI as well as movies where guns are used they are they are expecting that when they fire that 22 caliber pistol that they are going to launch across the room like Will Smith in Men in Black with the little noisy cricket <laughs> That was and, a great movie, and maybe that's a little bit of a leap, but I have literally been in situations where I have had to shoot a twenty-two caliber pistol, like beside somebody, with having them stand right there while I shoot it, because they are so intimidated by what they've seen in the media about guns. And anybody who's been around guns for any length of time knows that a twenty-two isn't much more than firing a BB gun. But if you don't know what you don't know,
1: that is intimidating. Absolutely. And I've seen people that they wanna know everything before they take that basic class. So they'll get the books, they'll watch the videos, they'll do all the things, and then they show up and they're like, oh, but that's not what the internet said. Oh, that's frustrating. (laughs)
0: Which, you know, I, I'm. the irony is not lost on me that we are putting this information out on the internet. <laughs> um, yeah. But yes, that, you know, you and I have been in those classes and doing the women's group stuff through our local gun club. We have seen all various varieties of women from absolutely terrified out of their brains to so gung-ho that it's almost dangerous and mm-hmm. everything in between. So looking at that side of things, it's really important that we consider how media may actually, the, I shouldn't say media, how the baggage that our students are bringing with us in the form of whatever their perceptions are about firearms, it's a concern. It's a real thing that we have to be
1: aware of, especially as a gateway instructor. It sure is. Um, my first CPL class I took, I, I took two. Um, and that's concealed pistol license in the name yes. of trying to clarify acronyms. Yeah. Uh, I took one back in 2006 and then another one, oh gosh, 2014 maybe was my second one. Um, first time life happened and I never followed through and, and got my license. But in both of those classes I took, I was the only female there. And I remember I had this attitude of like, well, I'm the only one in here, so I gotta be the best. And of course that did not happen, but I had that feeling that, oh crap, I'm the only girl here. Everybody's gonna be staring at me. Everybody's going to be extra critical of me because I'm the only girl here. And it was, it sucked but i mean i still passed um and then my first class i took outside of my cpl class um it was like a marksmanship class or something and i'm like oh i I can hit so i'm gonna go because i was like yeah i'm gonna feel really good about myself afterwards that's not what happened in the class and it kind of was i guess detrimental isn't the word but it was enough to make me not want to shoot for a while i was singled out um i mean i was recognized as being the first female student in a like class beyond cpl for these this newer range that went in but it was it was not fun and so i was really intimidated to start shooting again and that's why i sought out a women's only group because i just wanted to be with other women
0: it you know i i have gone back and forth i have publicly admitted as recently as last week that when i got started instructing i never intended to start a women's only group it was the farthest thing out of my comfort zone i could have imagined and that's coming from somebody who i i am a member of a sorority i was during college i was in a sorority i have done the women's group thing in multiple different facets of my life. I don't really find anything inherently wrong with it. It just wasn't really in my wheelhouse to think about, let me bring all of these ladies together, give them a safe place to shoot and to have some camaraderie around this topic. And it'll be great. Like It just really hadn't entered into my brain. And a couple years in, there was just a demand for it. There were women who were seeking out opportunities to shoot and to get involved in the firearms industry that they had found those barriers. Like you had said, you know, you show up to a class and you're the only female. So then you end up feeling all the pressure of the world because you're like, I gotta set an example because I want them to know that the next time they run across a female shooter, it's gonna be okay. Um, then you get on to the whole like sometimes. And and it definitely, and both you and I will verify this, but sometimes when you show up for a class, you get singled out by the instructor because the instructor has something to prove about women being in their class. So it's all just they are things and hurdles and and opportunities that have to be carefully navigated. And you know, some of that we could we can chalk up to the confidence gap issue between women entering this typically much later in their lives than men some men though these days are coming to shooting with no prior experience Um, you also get into the factor of just ego like i i don't want my ego to be bruised and so if i show up and receive corrective action am i receptive to that because will that harm my confidence? And it's all consideration that gets mi- thrown into the mix. And I guess my point is, is that as an instructor, if you are teaching people who are coming to this out of the gate with little to no prior experience, you have to think about that. Um, I firmly believe the other overlooked aspect of this, and I, I. I just know you'll nod here in a second, Cass, is that women who come to firearms typically have some sort of trauma in their past. So, Absolutely. So them taking that step to show up at that class, the look on their face is not usually connected to you as an individual. It's connected to the experience because in that class, they are reliving that trauma inside their own head.
1: I I, I hesitate to say this because of all the things, but like, I still go through some of my trauma on the range, um, just different experiences that I've had. And I was like, oh, I was in this position. Uh, I didn't know what to do then, but I know what to do now. And right. so it it still happens, and it's in a way I think it's healthy, um, for sure. If the person's handling it right, it can be healthy. Um, if the, if there's proper support and things like that. Um, and so I, I, touching back on you know when is people share their struggles, like, hey, if you let me know that you've experienced something, you got to be specific, but. That way I can help in the moment if that is what you need. Um, But yeah, we see that so often on the range that something in someone's past, it gets triggered on the range. I mean, Mm -hmm. a lot of times it's hot out there. And so your body's under a little bit of pressure. And then all these weird things start happening with your body. If you're already feeling a little bit intimidated, stuff comes to the surface on its own and I am not a therapist, but I know there's some stuff in there that's happening. And so sometimes we we do experience that. And it's sometimes it's really inspiring to watch someone who is struggling. And then they get some confidence that they can't protect themselves in a situation. It's I'm going to like end that there because I'm going to start crying. Okay. (laughs) Well, and the feels happen man the feels happen on the range
0: but i'm trying for for any of you who are out there who are looking at getting started into this journey and are looking at really putting the pieces together talk to the instructor before you go take the class get to know the organization that you're going to take the class through so that you can have that discussion ahead of time if you feel comfortable or you can have enough of a, of a background conversation that you go yeah this place isn't going to be able to support me through that and find that out ahead of time instead you, of finding it out in the moment
1: yeah and if you're worried about that or if you have had you know a severe experience there are trauma-informed instructors out there Just ask. We know of a few. Um, uh, There's, call it community. I was going to say network, but a a community of really amazing instructors out there that have had a lot of students, not just us, um, but other instructors have had students, too, that have had bad experiences, bad experiences on the range, bad experiences in their life. We can help. Just gotta ask, seek it out, ask the questions, talk to the instructors.
0: And if the instructor won't talk to you ahead of the class or won't have that dialogue, or you know, that to me is a red flag. (laughs) It's a waving, check it out. (laughs) So, you know, it's it's interesting the longer that I do this, the various dynamics that exist within different organizations and, and I'm not talking big organizations, but like even people who do this part-time on the side, you know, on the weekends, some of them are absolutely fantastic. And some of them really honestly shouldn't be doing what they're doing because they're, they're harming their students by trying to treat them with a one size fits all set of, of rules, regulations, and situations. And so just be careful understand yourself. Um, Don't discount your experiences in this because they do matter. And whether you think it will or not, if you are bringing some sort of trauma in your background to the table, like Cass said, it will pop up on the range. I can guarantee it. Mm -hmm. Um, It may not be your first class. It may be the second, third, fourth, fifth, but it's lurking.
1: And another one along that line, even if it's not trauma, I still struggle with um, being Mm -hmm. self-conscious. The word just popped right out of my head. Um, Imposter syndrome. That's Um, I still feel like I don't know what I'm doing some days, even though I've had a lot of training. I just some days are better than others. And that being self-conscious and comparing myself to others and wondering if I'm good enough for that class. It still happens, but I'm showing up to learn Yep. and that's what I remind myself of every time I'm here to learn. I'm not here to, I'm not here to perform for the instructor. I'm here to learn for me. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think that that at the end of the day is kind of the solution to that is if we're talking about overcoming the intimidation factor, it's this idea that we're going to show up for ourselves. And for women, that can be hard. And I don't want to digress into a 40-minute conversation about that, but it can be really hard.
1: It is very hard. Um, One of the things that helped me was, I don't remember what class it was. It was something online online that I came across, of course. Um, but it asked a question. It was, are you worth protecting? And I was like, uh, No. And then I think the the question, the next question was like, Who in your life would miss you if you were gone? And I was like, Oh, crap. I got three kids. I got a husband. I think he likes me sometimes. Like, he probably would be upset. My kids might be a little lost and they might be upset if I'm gone. So am I worth protecting? I was like, oh, yeah. Oh, okay. I guess so. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
0: I almost hate to go back. We're going to come back to that point here in a minute. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So we talked a little bit about overcoming intimidation factors, really showing up for yourself, which requires us to have that wherewithal to realize that we are worth protecting, us, ourselves, me. And then overcoming perception, I would argue that that's about education. That's about educating yourself so that as people have those perceptions of you, you can choose which ones you want to converse with and which perceptions you just want to push to the side and say, you know, I know that that's not true and that's enough for me.
1: That phrase you just used, just brought up something that you touched on earlier. Um, and I wanted to throw it in, but I didn't want to interrupt. <sighs> your ego is not your amigo. Thank yeah. you, John Korea, for that little tidbit there. But that is huge. Like if that person thinks I'm wrong, i don't have to go over there and force you to know that you are wrong and that i am right like, my ego is pretty chill like i i don't need to prove myself to you i don't need you want to say i'm wrong okay i'm wrong i'm gonna go over here and do it the right way anyways it's just say that over to yourself <laughs> I just love
0: that phrase. Your ego is not your amigo. I used that in a class the other day after we had that conversation. (laughs) It was pretty fantastic. So thanks, John. We need (laughs) t-shirts. Family support was the first one we talked about. It's probably the toughest if you are the type of personality who is a people pleaser. And you really, and again, neither Kat nor I have any sort of degree in psychology or therapy or anything like that, but it can be really a steep hill to climb. Um, So my argument for family support would be that you need to find your role models and you need to find your tribe Mm
1: -hmm. because
0: you got to find some people that are going to be your cheerleaders and cheer you on in the process.
1: And I want to just interject here that if you're looking for that tribe, if you're looking for that, leave a comment. Well, it may take us a minute, but we will try to direct you in the right direction. Um, We we want you to be supported. I don't want to say the right way because that's not the word, (laughs) but we want you to be supported the best that we know how. Uh, This community is always growing. And just because we didn't list your instructor doesn't mean they're not phenomenal, too. Yeah.
0: There's a lot of great instructors that we haven't even talked about today. And that's one of the beauties of this being an ongoing thing is that you're going to hear about some other personalities. You're going to hear about some other individuals. You know, role model wise, though, start start looking. Um, You know, if you're a female looking to get into this, obviously Cass and I have a little bit of a bias towards a girl and a gun uh, being involved with that organization. But Armed Women of America is out there. We've got, um, I'm trying to think, there's the Appleseed Project, which is out there to get youth, women, so on, involved in the shooting sports. You've got Ladies on Target through the NRA. Um, It's It's amazing to me the resources that are out there for low-cost and no-cost training for those, what should I say, um, not as recognized groups within shooting. Mm -hmm. So looking for the, you know, I don't know if you have something to add there, Cass.
1: I do. If you're struggling to find a role model, you can always be the role model. You can get yourself there. Just look within yourself, look around you, take, like, the, um, you know, some of the great instructors do, steal little pieces from everybody else. Be a, even if you don't think that you're going to be a role model, you probably will end up being someone's role model. So it, just keep that in the back of your mind and think about that, too.
0: That being said, I, Would strongly encourage, um, again, and this is mainly slanted towards the ladies out there because the list would go on and on if I start listing everybody, but, you know, you've got Tatiana Whitlock, you've got Lynn Givens, you've got Lena Mishlik, you've got, I probably butchered her name because I can never say it right, but, (laughs) um, you've got, oh man, um, Annette Evans does on her own and that's a blog and a website and she kind of chronicles her training and she's absolutely phenomenal as well. There there's a growing list of nationally recognized women that you should pay attention to. And I probably left somebody's name out. So, you know, if leave it in the comments, but be kind about it. If it if I'm missing somebody
1: that you really, really love to follow. Uh Tiff Johnson.
0: Oh she yeah, absolutely
1: she says she's not a lead instructor. She just wants to be there to support other instructors and be that assistant. But she is a damn fine instructor on her own too.
0: And role model. Yes. Terry um, Dudenhofer, Luann Hamlin. How could I forget Luann? <laughs> Cause I like, mentioned her already. <laughs> yeah, same reason I forgot to list Tiff there. Um, Stephanie, I love you know, the, there's, there's more and more out there, and again, you mm-hmm. know, as soon as Cass and I end the recording, we're going to think of 15 others. Vicky Farnham. There's another Vicky one. Farnham. There's another one that we left <laughs> out. The OG, the OG. Yeah. Um, so they're there, you know. And one of the things that we're going to strive to do through this podcast is to get some of their names out there a little bit more talk about them talk about what they're all about and how you can get in touch with them um but don't be afraid you know google is your friend in this way or whatever search engine you like you know but start start digging robin sandoval who's the head of a girl and a gun um absolutely phenomenal individual, great shooter, and wonderful role model to all of us, you know, in and out of the organization. See, there, there's names, and and I'm not meaning to forget any of you, I promise. Um, you know, there's other chapter facilitators that I absolutely adore following. Shelly Hill. How could I forget Shelly Hill?
1: Because so we the, mentioned
0: her too. <laughs> the list goes on. Yeah. Um, so they're out there. We'll put a little list at the end of the description for today's podcast, but definitely start checking into some of these ladies who might be an inspiration to you and they're putting information out there. Some of it is at no cost to you. Some of it you need to kind of, again, put on your big girl panties and get out there and train with them. But the resources are there. The time is now. The role model and the support structure for women to get into shooting, even if they don't have the family support and friends support, it's there's never been a better time. And there are so many instructors out there who want to see new shooters get involved. Do not be intimidated. Jump in, dive in, do the research. Make sure you're taking a class with an instructor who can support you. And I think you'll find that several of these barriers or potential barriers are going to melt away in front of you.
1: I love how you worded that. They do just melt away. And some of them you just don't care about anymore. And to me, that's melting away. Yep.
0: You know, I, I definitely think before too long, you and I are going to end up having to do a full length conversation about the confidence thing. Because we have some unique, like, not information, but unique stories to share about that. And I think they're worth talking about. So if you're thinking, man, I really wish they had talked about this more or that more, leave a comment. I know we've said that about several different things, but (laughs) leave a comment. Uh, We would love to know what you want to hear us talk more about. And we've got our ideas, but we'd love to hear your ideas. Any parting words, Cass? Stay safe, shoot straight. Anything, is there, the better question might be, is there anything Mm -hmm. that we didn't talk about today in regards to barriers that you wanted to mention?
1: I think everybody's barriers are going to be, you know, personal to them. And let us know how we can help you get through them. Let us know your thoughts. Um, We're here for you. We're, I mean, we are just two chicks talking, but we want to, we want to make this more personal for everyone. So just talk, talk back to us.
0: All right. And with that being said, thank you so much for joining us for episode one of everyday carry chicks. We hope you learned a few things or at least did some self-reflection as we talked about these topics, leave us a review or a comment. Feel free to ask us a question. You never know, it might turn into the next episode. Thank you again for joining us, and we look forward to us joining us again next week. Keep it safe. Keep it fun. And keep it real.